0: back for another week of the Duval Mission podcast as always we are joined by the coach of the Dolphins John Galway and coach it was a uh, successful weekend to say the least in Colorado come out of there with two wins with you know all the challenges that we've talked about of the past you know you guys handle them pretty well and obviously we love to see the results on the field
1: Yeah, yeah, really successful weekend, obviously, um, you know, to play those two opponents, high-quality opponents, in their house. Uh, I felt like we did a good job of of handling the moment on Saturday, and that was a really difficult one. I mean, that felt like a 12-round fight. Uh, I felt like walking off of that field, we were going to have to find a way to to refill our tanks pretty quickly, just knowing what it took to beat a team like Denver and and the emotion that 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 toll takes on you. And then uh, to be able to to get on the bus and and drive up an hour on Sunday morning and and get into that stadium and – play a really physical military institution. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. I thought Air Force gave us fits in the first half and we were able to to kind of navigate our way through the the second quarter with with Jacob getting hot and, and allowed us some comfort to to pull away at the end.
0: Yeah, and obviously the game Saturday against Denver, you know, you kind of described it as a as a 12-round fight. It was a boxing match. Just kind of giving blows back and forth and obviously it was kind of a grinded out victory against you know the previously ranked 14th team in the country. Um, You know obviously Jacob got going but you know kind of what were you guys able to do successfully on the field that ultimately led to the, uh, the win that we love to see.
1: Yeah, I think we generated a lot of great shots. I, th- I thought the Denver goalie made some really spectacular saves early on that, that you know were frustrating us, and, and Jacob wasn't hitting them right away. But um, I felt like we we grinded it out. We were willing to earn better opportunities, and uh, we got big stops when we needed them. Uh, we answered runs. That was something that we knew we were going to have to do. We knew Denver was going to score uh, when they came out in the second half and scored two right away. I thought we responded with, with great attitude, and, and Jacob obviously hit a couple big shots in the third. And uh, between him and Jack Dolan, I just felt like those guys refused to let us get down. And when you have players like that who are so determined, you you felt comfortable about going into the, the physicality of that fourth quarter.
0: And then kind of flipping the script to Sunday, you play Air Force, who they were supposed to play Saturday against Canisius. Canisius had some travel issues out of Buffalo. So Air Force is coming in, fresh legs at their place. They feel confident you're coming off of a quick turnaround. and. You know, the, out, the the start of the game was probably a little slower than you would have liked. You're down one at the end of the first. I think Air Force scored the first goal, of the second, and then you kind of flipped it and turned it on. You know, what were you guys able to see there or kind of get going there in the second and then into the middle of the third? I think you went on a 10-0 run. You know, kind of what was it that led to your success there?
1: Yeah, you know, you, you can easily point to the, the bus trip and the altitude and all those things. I think ultimately we just weren't executing in the first quarter, and I think we just had to take a deep breath. Uh, Air Force played a lot of zone against us, which was something we haven't seen that consistently, and uh, we just had to be a little bit more disciplined in our patience, and once we did that, once we started to navigate, I thought Coach Cornelli did a great job of making a few adjustments to the zone offense to, to give us more opportunities, more step-down opportunities for guys like Jacob. Uh, we started to hit our shots as well. I felt like we didn't shoot the ball great, in the first quarter and once the ball started falling our way you felt like those opportunities were were becoming more and more plentiful and um and then to come on the third quarter and answer the way that we did especially just given the two games i was really proud of the resilience of the group um that that was a that was a really difficult thing to do and i'm really proud of how they handled the second half
0: yeah it's you know, I think the easiest way to recap the weekend is once again presented with a challenge. The players fought through it, resilient. Obviously, the outcome of the game is great. You know, it's great to come out of there with two wins, and you you got to be very pleased as as you and your staff as as coaches.
1: Yeah, I think we are. I think, you know, we had to, as a staff, take a step back in the locker room and we told our guys, you know, um, we were were so hard on them at the end of the game because we felt like we we still left a lot of meat on the bone. And in the locker room, I saw a lot of sad faces, and and I I took the blame for that and told them, hey, it's not easy to win. It's not easy to win any game at this level, let alone two in two days, let alone out in Air Force where we've never won before. So uh, we, as a staff, had to take a step back and really celebrate moment because it was in a lot of ways a legacy moment for this team and that they showed their toughness both mentally and physically and and now we're going to have to shift gears and do it against a really high-powered you know uh transition team in utah where it's going to be 80 degrees it's going to be hot it's going to be our field and how well can we defend our our home turf our rock um you know is going to be a next test for this team and uh and you gotta flip the page it's march now and March teams start to figure themselves out a little bit, they have a lot more film on you. How do we make the necessary adjustments both individually and schematically as a team to take the next step forward this month is going to be our challenge?
0: So before we get into the Utah game, you just brought up today is March first. You know, you're a month into the season, we're sitting five and one. You know, how would you evaluate the first month of the season? I know there's still a long way to go. There's still a lot ahead of you, but you know, we're six games in, a month in, you know, how would you evaluate the start of this year?
1: Uh, I think um, you know we've, we've proved our resiliency. Uh, I'm proud of the resiliency of this team to play six games in one month. You know, when I think back to where we are now on March 1st, you know, we started practice on January 6th. Um, we've played a lot of lacrosse, you know, we have a lot of young guys who are playing more lacrosse now than they ever have before and, and the resiliency of that is, is starting to show through the, uh, the the glass door a little bit, especially for our younger guys. Um, I also think we're player-led, You know, there were so many huddles in the last two games, Denver and Air Force, where Jack Dolan had something to say that was so invaluable that you don't see in the stands, but maybe changed the outcome of the game. Uh, same thing in the Air Force game, I felt like Colin Hinton own the locker room before the game. We needed somebody to be a fire starter. We needed somebody to be emotional on a game like that, and Colin Hinton was the answer. So uh, resilient, player-led, uh, but, but still very early. We're, we're still very much a work in progress. We need to have a growth mindset going into March because we know we want to be playing in May, and that's still far away. away. And if we can come up to practice tomorrow and, and show up with a, a level of, of humility and, and hunger, then we know we got something going here for this next month.
0: So, looking ahead to this Sunday, it's uh, probably the biggest one circled on the year. It's the Jacksonville Lacrosse Classic. You host Utah at 6 p.m. Sunday night. Um, It'll be live on CBS Sports Network. Before we kind of get into the X's and O's and who Utah is bringing out here, personnel stand wise, or from a personnel standpoint, let's just kind of give the listeners kind of a brief summary history lesson of the Classic from your eyes. It's the 11th game this year. Um, You know, it was previously held at at the time, it was called EverBank Field, where the Jags play. Now it's back here. It's been here the last couple of years on campus. You know, from your standpoint, just speak to the importance of this game from the spotlight—not just for the program, but for Jacksonville University and for lacrosse in Florida.
1: Yeah, I think for the program, it's really just another game, but for the university and for North Florida is where it really holds its place. And um, the the Classic, it was formerly known as the Moe's Classic, which I think had some notoriety around it. People knew about that game and, um, you know, shifting it over to the Jacksonville Lacrosse Classic and bringing it back to campus has allowed us to to have some sort of home court advantage for sure and uh, has given us the opportunity to grow uh, not only our home base but our fan base in the local area, because this is a game, that's why we have it on Sunday night. There's no high school conflicts. There's no youth league conflicts. Uh, It's nationally televised, so it gives our campus and our university the spotlight across the country into millions of homes. Um, This is a game that I think it gives us a chance to to plant our flag uh, as a program that's developing in the South, as a university that's building rapidly, uh, as an academic profile that's changed dramatically since I've been here, Uh, and then also for our guys to play under the lights in a home game atmosphere. You know, we want this to be the Friday Night Lights of Texas football. We want people to be out here, 4 or 5,000 folks walking around our stadium. That changes the dynamic of how important lacrosse is in the area, so it's a huge moment for us. Uh, we need everybody to come out. It's it's not a want, it's a need, uh, because this event only happens with support. And if you don't show that you have serious lacrosse support locally, it's hard to continue to grow the game. And I know folks like Ray Carnicelli and, and the local high school programs that support us constantly, they'll come out because they know if Jacksonville lacrosse can continue to elevate its, its, its status nationally, uh, it's gonna be good for everybody. So it's a, big, it's a big game for us, but it's a big game I think for the region and for the university to continue to put ourselves in the spotlight
0: little Programming note for the game Sunday. It's the only game of the year that we will sell tickets for. So if you need to buy your tickets, go to judolphins.com, go on the website, you can get it. You know, we've got youth tickets, group tickets, any kind of ticket you need, we can get it. It'll be the only game this year you will need a ticket to come out to Rock Stadium, but it's worth the money, coach, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're going to have two teams, uh, both either in the top 20 or at least receiving votes, uh, two teams that just started their program within the last 10, 12 years. Uh, two teams that play a really high high style of lacrosse. Um, I don't know if you could ask for a better opponent for this particular game because of the style that they play, the physicality of which they play, the speed of which they play. They have Florida guys on their roster. I mean, there's just there's so many good storylines going into this game. And again, to Sunday night, six o'clock. I mean, there, there's I don't know if you could ask for a better atmosphere. And uh, I'm excited for our guys to be able to experience that as well because I think it'll prepare us well down the season.
0: So, kind of looking to Utah. They uh, just played Marquette last weekend, defeated them, an opponent that you played a week and a half ago. But it feels like you know a month ago. At this rate, um, you know, just kind of you talk to their style a little bit there. But you know, what else is Utah bringing here to uh, Rock Stadium Sunday night?
1: Yeah, you know, they beat an amazing defense in Marquette at their place. Uh, They go to Vermont, which is a really difficult road trip. Vermont's top 20 at the time. They beat Vermont by a goal. Uh, They take Denver to a one-goal game in the season opener with a new coach. They have a new coaching staff. And uh, for the success that they've had in the first three weeks, uh, they're putting a lot of people on alert. So we have to do a great job of understanding the opponent. I think they do some unique things in between the lines. Um, we've, We've played... Robert Morris, who their their new coach has come from, so we know some of the things that they like to do, and it's a really different style of play. So, uh, you know, I always equated playing Robert Morris to playing Georgia Tech in football and, and preparing for the option. It's something you don't see all year, and then you gotta prepare for it for one week. So, uh, it's gonna be a really cool challenge for us. I'm glad that we have an extra day of prep. Uh, we were able to hopefully lick our wounds yesterday and today and, and get back onto the practice field tomorrow and, and gear up for a, a physical matchup, a, a nationally televised matchup. I mean, there's not gonna be much to, to try to hype our guys up. I think it'll, it's all already there on the table.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So before we wrap up, kind of clean up some some ends, uh, some news. Obviously, you're ranked in three pools, You're, you're eighth and two and eleventh in the other. Uh, you know, Nick Saban likes to, to use the term rat poison, you know, of all the outside noise and things like that. You know, kind of just talking to you and being here in the Rock Lacrosse Center and talking to the guys, it kind of just seems like you know, everyone's heads are on right and they're focused regardless of that. You know, from a coach's perspective, do you feel that same way that, you know, everyone's locked into the task at hand?
1: I do. I think, um, again, I think it's, as I've said a few times, the rankings are important because they are unique to this program. This is something that we've never experienced before. So to ignore something that's never happened before would be naive as a coaching staff. So as a program, especially our alums and our families and our friends, it should be celebrated because it is something that, a lot of people have been working for for a long time. As a team, it's February, and, and we have a lot of lacrosse left, and as a team, we felt like we left meat on the bone this past weekend, so what are we willing to do to make sure that that doesn't change, and we continue to prove that we're, we're worth those rankings? So um, it's kind of a, a constant call that we need to answer on a weekly basis, and, and that's, we're using it as a rallying cry. Can we get addicted? to being part of the top 20? Can we get addicted to winning? Uh, Can it be part of our DNA on a daily basis with how we practice? Uh, Now that we are that, that ranking, do we practice like a top 10 team? Do we watch film and prepare and a scouting report like a top 10 team? That has a higher bar. So I think we're using it as a way to elevate our expectations of one another and uh, if we do that then we're asking more out of each other so um, we're using it as hopefully a positive and it certainly can be rat poison when uh, you use it on social media and and you know in your content but if, if it's staying true in this room and staying true on the practice field then it's something that we can build off of.
0: Some other news you know it's Tuesday at you know 12:15 or so here in about an hour or so uh, you sweat the weekly awards Jacob Griner, offensive player of the week Luke Milken defensive player of the week um, you know, Jacob had arguably the best weekend in college across. He had 12 goals in two games, um, both career highs and, and stuff like that. And, you know, he's kind of been flying under the radar with kind of the national scene and stuff like that. And him and Max, the one two punch, you got Jack coming in the middle. You know, you've got to be happy with how Jacob performed. And, and obviously, Luke, you know, he comes out. You know, two wins this weekend. He scores a goal in the Air Force game, which caught a lot of national attention. You know, those guys are definitely uh, deserving of those honors.
1: Yeah, I, I, I couldn't be happier for Jacob. I think, you know, Jacob would tell you, too, he, it's a product of everybody else around him. You know, in the Denver game, it was it was Jack Dolan creating opportunities. In the Air Force game, it was Jackson and Trieri finding him and through lanes and um, putting him in positions to be successful. And same with Luke. I think Luke would credit, you know, his defense with the physicality that our rope unit's playing with and guys like Troy Hedinger and Zach Deacon and Tucker Garrity and Bryce Wannabich. I mean, those guys are giving Luke opportunities to get hot. And, you know, I keep pointing to our goalie room. You know, Ryan Delarocco was the player of the week last week. Jason DeLaquino comes in and makes a huge save in the Air Force game. You know, that room is deep, and I think those that bullpen of goalies pushes each other, and that reward is a goalie award. So um, it's pretty special. I think, again, it's important to motivate those guys um, and, and to know that who's next? You know, it's not always going to be Max. It's not always going to be Jacob. Could it be Jack or Jeremy or Jackson and Trier? We have to keep developing those new guys to make sure that when somebody has an off day, we have five or six guys to pick them up. So uh, it's, it's motivating for sure and exciting to have another opportunity to do it this week.
0: So before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to add? Recapping this, the, the weekend to the Rocky Mountains or, or looking ahead to another Rocky Mountain opponent this weekend in, in Utah here at home?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I gotta give thanks to so many people for our trip out west. Danielle Della Rocca made that trip flawless. I mean, to play two games in two days, to make sure that the meals were organized, our travel was organized. We had great families, the Waldbaum family, the McDonald family stepped up and provided some meals. Um, we had so many people help support make that weekend successful. So uh, they don't get a lot of credit because you don't see it, but um, to be ready on Saturday and Sunday is due to a lot of people pitching in, and we're very fortunate to have all those people. It's a, uh, you know, we, we, we've been using this a lot, but we only need everybody, and that includes people outside of this building as well to make this team successful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A great weekend. Look forward to another one uh, this weekend for the Jacksonville Cross Classic. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Duval Mission Podcast. As always, like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, join us next week as we recap the Utah contest and look forward to another uh, non-conference uh, road trip next weekend, Coach.
1: Look forward to it. Thanks.